0: Last week we looked and we started looking at Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10 and we started talking about uh, uh, six practical lessons for a believer, uh, a man of God to live uh, every day. So six practical lessons for us to live each and every day uh, from Isaiah chapter 41 uh, verse 10. And we looked at only the first two of those six lessons uh, last week and so really want to pick up where we were. Now, let's go back, and if you have, have your um, Bibles open, look at Isaiah chapter 41, verse 9, and I'll read verse 9 and 10. And here is what it says He says, I said, You are my servant, I have chosen you and have not rejected you. This is God. Uh, Speaking to uh, not just Isaiah, Isaiah, but the children of Israel. The children of Israel were always in the process, uh, the southern kingdom, Judah, uh, were always in the process of vacillating, a lot like us, guys, honestly, between seasons of revival and being sold out to God, uh, to seasons of uh, rejecting God and rebellion and walking away from God. And it was just a seesaw. It's a constant seesaw. Uh, Anybody experience that spiritual seesaw in your own life that you can think of times that, man, I am passionate. I read God's word. I'm in worship each and every week. Then guess what? I look up and I'm not as passionate and I'm not serving and I'm not faithful and I'm not reading God's word. And there are some times that you're honest and you go, and I really don't want to right now. Does that make sense? And you know, you're, you're from here to here. And so this would be, if you're in one of those seasons, this is the same word God says to you. He says, listen, Uh, You are my servant. I have chosen you, and I haven't rejected you. And that's kind of the beautiful thing, even in the illustration in the New Testament of the prodigal son, right? You have uh, the prodigal son, who is the father's son, who ultimately goes to his dad and says, Dad, you're dead to me. And that might seem a little harsh, but I want you to know that when a son in uh, the ancient culture like that went to his dad, And uh, asked for inheritance. It wasn't just asking for money. He was was essentially saying, Dad, you're dead to me. Okay? Dad, you don't matter to me. Instead of uh, uh, saying no, the father gives him his inheritance. The son says, not only are you dead to me, this place is dead to me. So I'm going to leave. And I'm going to go to a foreign land. I'm going to go to a distant place. And I'm going to spend everything I have with my friends and with my lifestyle. And that's exactly what he does, right? Until he comes to his senses, after he's spent everything, he's burned everything, then he comes back. On his way back, he has this wondering thought, this lingering thought in his mind, how is my dad going to respond, and how should I speak to my dad? What was he saying? I should say, I'm not worthy to be a son. Uh, I'm only worthy to be uh, uh, your subject. Uh, Just let me live out in the corner of a tent somewhere with the rest of your servants. What was the dad's heartbeat? I want my son to come home. I will tell you, these same words apply to you and me when we find ourselves in one of those seasons where we are walking away from God or we're living in rebellion to God or we're not studying God's word and we're not with God's people like that. And so here's what God says. He says, you are my servant, I have chosen you, I've not rejected you. And there's a difference, guys, between being rejected by God and being disciplined by God. There is a difference between being rejected by God and being disciplined by God. There are a lot of times that God disciplines me in my life and will discipline you in your life. Same thing with our kids, right? Uh, Just because I discipline my son or my daughter or my children, I'm not rejecting my children. And sometimes they may think I'm rejecting them, but I'm not. I'm rejecting a behavior. I'm rejecting a certain lifestyle. I'm rejecting a certain walk. Uh, There is a difference between rejection and discipline. And sometimes, guys, you and I will walk in the discipline of God until we get our lives right and our hearts right and our families right. And we have to understand the best thing we can do in that situation is repent and get back in line with God's will for my life. So now jump into verse 10. He says, so do not fear, and these are the six lessons for living uh, a faithful life. He says, do not fear, I am always with you, don't ever be dismayed, for I am your God. And then he says, I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, if you missed uh, last week, uh, we got to the first two of those. We got do not fear, don't live in fear, and if you missed those, I want to encourage you to go on, you can go online. And you can pull up the first uh, uh, first two points last week. The second point uh, was this, and it comes straight from that that verse, do not choose a life of loneliness from God and others. And there are a lot of times, men, that we choose when we get in one of those seasons of rebellion, what's the first thing we choose is we want to withdraw from others. We want to withdraw from God. We want to get withdraw from God's people. And sometimes when we do that, then we kind of are like, man, I know if I walk in now, uh, people are going to say, where you been, right? Anybody ever said that, right? They're going to say, where you been? Or you're going to say in your pity party, no one's going to notice, right? Either one of those are going to keep you awake. And neither one of those are right. What's the best thing you can do? Is you can come back and you can be with God and you can be with God's people. Where do you get that? Notice what he says. He says, do not fear, I am with you. God created us as relational beings. God wants us to be with other brothers and sisters in Christ. God's, God wants us to be with other people in church worshiping. So those are points one and two. Let's jump to point three, and it comes right out of Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. He says, so do not fear that's point number one. Number two was for I am with you. And here's number three, do not be dismayed. If you want to write down the point, I I put this as a point, live a life that is focused and committed. Live a life that is focused and committed. If you know anything, um, you know, about uh, Uh, about shooting a gun or something like that the worst thing that can happen is a gun is having a gun that's not sighted in it's the same thing with a man Uh, or if you look through binoculars and they're not and and they're not focused uh, it's almost not worth looking through them Uh, if you have a gun that's not sighted in it'll do more damage than good If you have binoculars that aren't focused, they'll do more damage, they'll be be more harm than they are good. We have to learn to live a focused life. Well, how do we do that? That we should not be dismayed. If you have the New American Standard, it says, do not anxiously look about you. That's it. That's the New American Standard trying to translate that word uh, dismay. Do not anxiously walk around looking about you, worrying what is going to happen today or tomorrow, or worrying about what happened yesterday. Instead, we should live a focused life and a committed life. Uh, That definition, if you just look it up, it says, a sudden or complete loss of courage, utter disheartenment, and utter or complete loss of courage. That's what happens when we're dismayed. I think they're starting the roof now. So, uh, that, that's what happens. And so he says, man, don't be dismayed. What was he telling the children of Israel? He said, and, and let me be honest with you, the, if you look at the children of Israel, you know where Israel's placed. Right now, in this season that Isaiah's prophesying in, Egypt, who, we um, remember, remember uh, Egypt from the days of Joseph, right? But then it kind of waned in its power. It had kind of waned in its power. It kind of lost it. Egypt had lost its swagger, all right? In the days of Isaiah, Egypt had got it back. Does that make sense? They had you know, ebbs and flows and all of these people. And then up to the north, they had another dominant power that was showing up. And so Israel's right in the middle of these two powers that honestly, physically, and easily could overwhelm them. And so Isaiah's looking at them, saying, God chose you, don't walk around in fear, and don't walk around dismayed. I think that's the same message for you and it's the same message for me. I will tell you as the pastor right now, um, when you hear, and, and, and Scott and Justin, as, uh, uh, as we make decisions going ahead, there is not a sense at all in our lives that God's not going to get us through this. Now, that doesn't mean that there, aren't, there isn't discouraging news. It doesn't mean there isn't a dis- disappointing conversation. It doesn't mean that difficulties didn't happen. But it it doesn't mean that we're not worried. You know, it doesn't mean that we're worried, that we're anxiously looking about us. We're not, you know, we're not hiding in a corner. We're not fearful. Uh, When we get it all down, we're going to walk before the church and say, here's where we are, but this is still where God's calling us to be. Does that make sense? As a church, as a staff, we are to live a focused and committed life. And as a church, we ought to stay focused and committed. As individuals, you and I, we have to stay focused and committed, and we can't walk around dismayed. Uh, I just kind of pulled up, uh, you know, if you've ever gone online, and you've looked the definition up on Dictionary.com, uh, then you click down and it'll say synonyms. So I hit synonyms. Here's some synonyms. Maybe this will help you understand because. We use the word dismay, we just don't necessarily know what it means. Here's what dictionary.com says are some synonyms for, uh, uh, for dismayed to be alarmed by something, to live in anxiety, to be apprehensive, to make a decision. Isn't that a lot of times what being dismayed does? It makes a, you know, you just gotta make a decision sometimes, right? There are times that you can't stand there looking and stand there uh, determining and thinking between two, two decisions, at some point, you just got to choose a path, right? And a lot of times, we, we, we need to understand that. Just choose a path. People say, there are times, and I, I had the conversation about right here this Sunday with someone been going to this church for a long time, needs to get in a life group. They know they need to get in a life group. And it was a man. He goes, which which one would be best for us? I said, I don't know. Why? Well, we got 50 great life groups here. And every life group has a different personality based on its leadership and the people in the class. Does that make sense? I don't know which one. Well, how do you find out? Pick one, right? Go to that class until you don't like that class. And then go to a different class right don't be dismayed don't sit around don't be discouraged there are also other times that i've i've talked to people who who go to a life group they begin to develop a few relationships and then it's not right for them and they'll go pastor i really don't know what to do and i go i know what you do you go get another class i want to be honest with you right I mean, if Freddie, Freddie's a life group too. Isn't that what you would tell someone? You'd tell them, go to a different class because you, Freddie knows, man, their class, they're going to love people in their class. If you were in Freddie's class, it is a phenomenal class. All right, It is a phenomenal class. You got Rex and some of these guys back here in the agape class. Great, great class, wonderful class. But it's not the class for everybody in this church, right? Because every class has its own personality. Just make a choice. Just dive in. Where should I serve, pastor? I don't know. You know, just give it a go, right? Give it a go. Start somewhere. Try somewhere. Uh, if, if your overwhelming thought, you know, when you get around a bunch of kids is they all need a spanking, probably children's ministry, not the place you need to serve, right? <laughs> because you're right. You're with me. There's a reason I was never a youth pastor. I thank God that I was never a youth pastor. Uh, I applied. I'll tell you a, b- a-, a- fulfilling story. My wife, Uh, her father pastored the First Baptist Church of Joshua, Texas one time. How many of you know where Joshua, Texas is? That's all that need to know. Like two, all right? It's a worthless place. Go ahead and leave that in there. Uh, But early in my ministry, all right, One of my wife's childhood friends, all right, after my wife, we had gotten married, I'm up here, I'm, at that point, I'm working at Prestonwood, and I'm just following God, I'm searching God. They were talking, and they were communicating, and they ran into each other, and they needed a youth pastor out in Joshua, Texas. I had never been to Joshua, Texas. I've now been to Joshua, Texas. I see no need to go back, all right? Probably going to need to delete some of this out, Otto. I'm, I'm going to lay it. This is the only job in since I surrendered the ministry that I actually sent a resume in for them to consider me. Every other one was a relationship and a relationship, and, so, and I ended up sending resumes to everything. I sent in my resume, all right? They rejected me <laughs> as their youth pastor. And how many times I have thought, and I picked on my wife unmercifully about that. I was like, so you've got a lot of pull over there in that church of yours. <laughs> There's like 80 of y'all, and two of the people that were on the search committee were your friends. I couldn't even get an interview. I couldn't even get an interview. But I think back, and I'm thinking, you know, where would I be now? You know, what part of Egypt would I be pastoring now, right? But the reality of it is, you know, you, you, you just have to step back. Don't worry about finding the right place to serve. Man, just go serve somewhere. If it's not right, say, hey, I just don't sense that this is my... Go do something else. Dive into a life group. Get into a life group. Take your wife. If y'all don't like, there are other life groups. I didn't even mention Cantrell back there. They've got a class. I could, I'm probably skipping a bunch of people's class. Uh, and the point is, just make a decision and go, guys right make a decision and go if we talk about lifetime fitness if you're going to get in shape don't stand there and ponder don't stand there and ponder what diet you're going to take you're going to start eating by just go choose one or what trainer you're going to get? Just get one. Or where you're going to start working out? Just you know, just get off the couch, right? It's just a, do something. Synonym. Uh, here's another. Don't be apprehensive to pay, to take it. Take a dare. Here's another one. Uh, I don't know where this one goes. Dead, dreadful, dreadful was another synonym uh, for dismayed. Uh, trepidation a disappointment, disillusionment, discouragement, disheartened, a lot of those things. What is the opposite? Then it'll give you an opportunity to choose the antonym. Here were the anonyms of being dismayed. It's uh, to be relieved. To be relieved, to finally say, "I, I, I just know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I thought that was perfect. To be encouraged, to be strengthened, to be comforted. Reminded of a guy, I think about that word dismayed, I remember, I can't even remember who I heard this joke from. I think it was somebody in this church. Said, hey, I remember a guy uh, uh, went into into a psychiatrist and and said, I'm just worried about everything, doc. And the doctor said, well, you know, most of what you worry about in your life never actually happens. And the guy says, that's why I'm in here. Do you think that means something's wrong with me? (laughs) The truth is, most of what we're dismayed about never happened. And that doesn't mean something's wrong with you, it just makes you who you are, right? It makes you like the rest of us. And that's why if, we're, if we wanna have strong lessons to live by, we always have to remember whatever comes your way, guys, you are a child of God. God has chosen you. God has chosen you and he will strengthen you and he will uphold you, he will guide you. Do not fear, do not be dismayed. Don't live a life of loneliness. So here's number three, quickly, got to get to this one. I've got 10 minutes, all right? Here's, uh, that was number three, live a focused and committed life. Here's number four, you ready? Live, a con- live with confidence and poise. Now, that's not live with arrogance. When I was talking to Gina about this, uh, I, I, I was telling her my points, live with confidence. And she goes, now, there's a difference between confidence and arrogance. And uh, of course, I looked at her and I said, who are you? to critique me and she goes that's the arrogance and uh, I go see I just like to demonstrate things for you honey Uh, but you know guys there is nothing wrong I want you to know as men of God to live and walk with confidence and to live and walk with poise and you say where do you see that that's those next words notice what he says he says do not fear he says I am with you Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Man, the God who spoke the world into existence is your God, guys. The God God who spoke the world into existence chose you. What should that cause from us? Obviously, we are humble before God, but we also walk out with a confidence to face a world that God put together to face troubles that God knew were going to happen, that nothing has come my way that hasn't first been filtered through the fingers of God's grace and God's love. And so we should learn to walk with confidence and a little poise, all right, that we shouldn't be, uh, take what's going on with, with, with our church right now. Man, I mean, I will just tell you that as a staff, you wouldn't want us running around here always saying, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, Right. I mean, we'll shoot it straight to you. We'll tell you where it is, but the sky isn't falling. It's already fallen and we survived, right? All right, the sky's already fallen. The hell's already through the roof. We're good, right? Now, does this mean it's gonna be a little bit of a battle to get back? Yeah, do I think God's gonna get us back? I have no doubt, guys. And that's not preacher bull. That's the truth, that that I have confidence that whatever God is gonna bring our way is gonna be better because of what we've gone through. I believe that. And therefore, I'm going to walk with poise in the midst of difficulties, and so are you. Um, ran across this quote on confidence. It says, confidence isn't walking into a room thinking you are better than everyone else. Confidence is walking into a room knowing that you don't have to compare yourself to anyone else. That's confidence. The confidence that's, that's the difference between confidence and arrogance. Confidence is is not walking into a room worried whether I'm as good as anyone else. Confidence is walking into the room saying, I don't care. I don't have to compare myself to someone else. And guys, I want you to know, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, don't compare yourself to someone else who is a spiritual giant. Look up to them. Follow them but don't compare, compare yourself to them. Do you understand there's a difference between looking up to someone and following and comparing yourself to them? Um, you think about <clears throat> right now in, at the Cowboys, Jason Witten's come back. I know you're happy, Doug, you got his jersey. Uh, you can't wait to wear that thing back in here. You know, amen. the truth. <laughs> yeah, cut that part, Otto, where Doug, amen, Jason Witten. Uh, the truth is I don't know what he's got left, right? I, I don't know what he's got left. Uh, I know he's when he left, he had a seven yard out or a seven yard in. Uh, might, now, might now be a six yard out or a six yard in. I don't know what he has. But no one's ever questioned his work ethic. Does that make sense? I mean, that's what he put into. No one's ever questioned whether he was the hardest working guy on the field. And I've never doubted that either. All right. So him coming back, is he going to be a benefit or is he going to be in the way of young guys i don't know the answer to that but the one thing that people will learn some of those young guys if they will just look at him that doesn't mean just looking at them he's going to the hall of fame they're not right but the truth is they can probably glean some stuff from him. they learn how to pay attention how to stay awake in meetings right? Those are always good things in football, football meetings. So you know what to run. Those are, those are, you can look at him. You don't compare yourself to him because if they walk in there and start comparing themselves to Jason, Jason Witten and his card, you know, his card, they'll, they'll think they can't beat him out. What they need to do is they need to look at how he works out and say, all right, where can God take me if I do the same thing? That's where you and I need to be guys is we don't need to compare ourselves to other believers. We need to look up to them. We need to see what works for them. We need to see some of the decisions they make and bring it into my life. Not compare, they're here and I'm here. Because sometimes, what does that bring? Discouragement. Nor, and I want to put this on the reverse, if you are the person that is here, don't you dare look down on the person that's here and compare yourself to them. Why? Because at the end of the day, the only person we're to compare ourselves to is Christ. What did Paul say? Follow me as I follow Christ, right? So I can look up to someone so I can glean some insights. Like Paul says, hey, look up to me, but look through me to Jesus. I can look up to people who are spiritual giants. There are people in ministry over the years who have been spiritual giants in my life. That, that I look up to, that, I, uh, that, I, that I've tried to follow some of their steps, but I don't compare myself to them. Because guess what, after 20 some odd years as a pastor now, if I compare myself back then to them, they were way ahead of me. If I compare myself to them now, I might be considered by some ahead of them. Does that make sense? Neither one of those are accurate. We're just faithful, and they're just as faithful today as they were back then. God just has a different space and a different place for them. So guys, don't live in a state of comparison. He says, I am your God. Here's another quote. Christian poise, talking about poise, is walking with the knowledge that you never walk alone. We have poise as believers knowing that we never walk along. That's that exact word. For I am your God. I'm with you. I'm going to be there with you. That we need to make that journey. Here's another thought. I've ran across this quote. It's not the the load that weighs you down. It's the way you carry it. How many of you get what he's talking about there? It's not the load that weighs you down. It's how you carry it. Here's what that means. How many of you think you could carry... 10 pounds and carry 10 pounds and walk one mile around the church how many of you think you could do it carry 10 pounds all right good how many of you think you could grab 10 pounds and hold it like this and walk a mile around the church see it's not the load it's how you carry it right and here's the point If you carry it without other brothers and sisters in Christ around you, without a church, without a life group, without a home group, without a faith, without a walk, without a relationship with God, every burden you are carrying, you are carrying like this. But if you bring it into God's house with God's people, where you got others who understand what Scripture says, which is we are to bear one another's burdens, what does that mean? See, it's not the load that weighs you down. It's how you carry it, guys. And some of you, might it might be a sinful past. That you're carrying a sin out here. You're trying to engage with the world or engage with the church. And you're holding on to this sin, this failure in your past. And it's not the load, it's the way you're carrying it. And so guys, here's what I want to encourage you. Man, bring everything into your relationship with God. He says, I am your God. And as such, you and I can walk with confidence, not arrogance... We never want to walk with spiritual arrogance. What does that make you? That makes you a Pharisee, right? Don't ever be a Pharisee, but be confident in your faith and be confident in your walk with God and walk with poise. Why? He says, for I am your God. I love what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. He says, and my God shall supply all, Greek word means all, He says, my God will supply, this is Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply all your needs according to what? His riches and glory. So God promises He's going to supply for our needs, therefore if He is my God and that God says that I'm going to supply all of your needs, I don't have to worry about what God's going to supply them with because right there God says, and I'm going to take care of it out of my riches. You're not going to have to ante up. God says, I'm going to do it. And so, guys, as we make our journey, don't ever forget that we are a child of God. And God is with us. We shouldn't walk in fear, nor should we walk alone, nor should we walk dismayed, nor should we walk without confidence. And so I'm just going to close there today, and we'll come back and pick up that last part uh, next week. But man, memorize it if you didn't start last week memorize isaiah 41 verse 10 and we'll pick it up next week and we'll look at those next two aspects of what it means to truly walk with god let me pray father thank you so much for these guys god god i do pray that is a journey out of here today even what we know from isaiah uh chapter 41 uh verse 10 that 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 God, regardless of what the men are facing, whether it's health, finances, relationships, that they would not walk in fear. God, I also pray, as we looked at last week, that there wouldn't be a man here today that chooses to walk in loneliness, but instead would choose to walk in a relationship with God and others from God's people. God, I pray that we would learn to live a a focused and committed life, and I pray that we would live with confidence and poise. And as such, we can't help but experience your blessing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.